Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today in Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be discussing Train of Thought by Dream Theatre. Keith, you finally made me do it. You finally made me listen to Dream Theater. And? I didn't hate it. He didn't hate it, folks. He didn't hate it. I'm taking that as a win. Fuck, I might even retire. Lav didn't hate Dream Theater. That is some of the best news I've heard this year. I'm, I'm pleased it was good news. I really am. And yeah, this is a good album. I enjoyed it. It's, Thank you. I'm glad I picked this one from what I've read up on it. And as I understand it, it is them most heavy in the in the distortion-y sort of sound, I guess. I don't know. I never listened to any others, so I have absolutely zero reference. Well, let's get into that conversation after welcoming the listeners back to the podcast. If you're a returning listener, thank you very much for joining us hope you're a dream theater fan if you're new to the podcast if you've came here because you're a dream theater fan i just want to preface something you will not learn anything new we have not delved deep into the lore of dream theater we're not here to 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 discuss in depth the nuances and and lore of this long-running band we're just here to talk about train of thought because this is the album that got me into the band so you're not going to learn anything new here but hey you are welcome thanks for joining us if you'd like to join into the conversation at aogb podcast on instagram and twitter or aogb podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to send us an email as a gentleman once did did we reply to that email we did i did reply to that email and uh he has Kindly given us permission to to give him a shout out, and please, I just want to make do. sure I get the the, the name correctly. Xavier uh, from Montreal. Hope you're listening. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed Protest the Hero, man. Yeah. So Dream Theater is one of those bands that I've actively avoided for the best part of twenty years, and I get that. I understand why you actively avoided Dream Theater because this is a leviathan of a band. These guys are just, you're either all in or you're not. Do you know what I mean? Like to, to, to listen to Dream Theater, to get involved, to get into the music. There's there's so much here. And as I've said before, if it wasn't for my time and place, the, the, the people I was sort of playing music with and listening to music with at the time, if they hadn't recommended this, if they hadn't fed me train of thought and sort of walked me through the back catalogue as it was circa 2006, I don't think I'd be here either. There's there's no way I would tackle Dream Theater on my own. I think train of thought was a sensible selection. It's got some moments in it that seems quite well paced and it fits in with the prog music that I listen to today. And I left train of thought immediately wanting to listen to more prog not more dream theater but more prog i kind of wish you'd gone into more dream theater i tried to suggest that you maybe visit 
either go back one or forward one. So if you went back one, you'd have gone to six degrees of separation. Six degrees of inner turbulence. What the bloody hell is the name of that album? Six degrees of inner turbulence. I think it's based on the concept of six degrees of turbu- of six degrees of separation. Or go one forward to the two thousand five release Octavarium. Two very different albums, and you could probably see why Trina Thought is in the middle of the two of them. Mm-hmm. But I think you would have enjoyed either one of those, maybe more towards six degrees. Yeah, I'd previously only heard one Dream Theater song, and it was track two from metropolis part two 1928 overture yeah the overture is is funny because well the f- f- you don't, you're not aware track one is essentially james labrie talking it's it's james labrie i'm sure it's james who the, the vocalist of dream theater who's in character i think as either the psychologist or the main female character anyway i'm not going to get into i'm not going to get into that because it's ridiculous but then you've got the overture. So, yeah, to hear the overture is interesting because it's a proper overture. Metropolis Part 2 is the album I wanted to talk about. It is my favourite Dream Theater album. It's one of my favourite albums of all time. It's incredible. It's 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 a piece. It is. It could very well should be played in theatres across the world to with with orchestras and, 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 and everything to it. Like, it is, to me, it is so in depth and planned out and wonderful and creative and musical and a journey beyond journeys like i couldn't i couldn't praise that album enough so for you to hear overture is weird because it gives you all the themes it's an overture it is literally an overture it's there to introduce you to all the themes the the concepts and and where the album's going to go and then you hear all of them in far more expansive forms Mm -hmm. as the album progresses so that's it's funny to me, at least. So yeah, that that was my single experience of Dream Theater until last week, effectively. So for the last week, I have just listened to Train of Thought. It may have bled into, if Spotify Radio kicked into another Dream Theater song, I believe an Octavarium song came on. Couldn't tell you what the name was, but I didn't hate it. Was it heavier? Was it lighter? Was it a bit more of a ballad? Was it... It felt... Like it was better recorded. Okay, interesting. Um, I'd say it was probably more well balanced. And there's some thoughts I do have on Train of Thought, given its age. So I have to keep putting myself back into 2003. Where where was I in 2003? Well, I was listening to British indie by that point, and mm-hmm. fun- maybe a bit of Funeral for a Friend and some Hell is for Heroes and Ruben. I wasn't listening to an awful lot of metal by this point. I think Saint Anger had ruined things for metal <laughs> in, in that regard. So I'd moved more Fair. to moved away from that and started discovering a lot more local music. I was I was I think 2003 was the year I learned to drive. So that was the year I got to go to a lot of gigs on my own. Got to travel around, go to gigs with friends, picking people up and stuff. So it was. It was really that was the year I saw a lot more local UK bands and big bands weren't really on my radar as such. Yeah. And I didn't really get into prog as much. I I have to say prog for me was all my dad made me listen to. 
So my dad, just for the record, my dad refers to bands like Deep Purple as prog. Yeah. Now, most people would probably just think of them as like a classic rock band. But Deep Purple have got some songs. If you look on um, the album Machine Head, which is probably contains the most famous Deep Purple song, if not the most famous song in the world, Smoke on the Water, that album also has a song on it called Lazy, which mm-hmm. is a seven to eight minute peace for for want of a better word exactly yeah uh which just tra- you know transcends so many genres of jazz it's all it's opening on the harpsichord and then you've got richie blackmore's guitar solos and things so that is an incredibly progressive band and this is what i was listening to in like when i was a kid you know when i say a kid this i'm, I'm i have a vivid memory of listening to perfect strangers on tape and even to this day, my dad still brings up his regret for buying it on tape rather than vinyl yeah. or CD, which was available because at the time he had a tape player in his car and he wanted to listen to it in his car. That's what you yeah. did. That is what you did. Um, so yeah, the to, to, to listen to progressive music was not unusual, but I really didn't get into modern progressive music until about... 2005 or 6 when I discovered Between the Bird and Me. Yeah. And I I stand by before we were recording I stand by I regret not hearing Dream Theater sooner. God damn regret. Bit of a sample there. Yeah, when you said that you, you know listening to Dream Theater didn't make you as much as you enjoyed it you didn't want to listen to more Dream Theater. You wanted to listen to Between the Buried and Me. So you've clearly associated Between the Buried and Me as like your go-to prog metal source. And that makes sense because Between the Buried and Me are an incredible prog metal band. I think they're, a, they're certainly their earlier stuff, you know, around about 2003 when Train of Thought came out, because good point, we've gone back a little bit in time. We were 2006, 2007. We've gone back to 2003 because it was 2006, 2007 that I found Dream Theater and it was Train of Thought was my first album. So to get back to Between the Buried and Me, yeah, that's again, that's why I'm almost sad you you didn't venture forth from, from, from the albums because I think you would have enjoyed those more and you might have had a greater appreciation for, considering you liked this, considering mm-hmm. you enjoyed this, it's not a bad album for you, your own words, you know, you might have found more music that you liked in, in those other albums. But I personally don't quite associate Between the Buried and Me so closely to Dream Theater. But I understand why you do, because that's that's where your prog metal origins begin. Yeah, I would say so. And I would... I, obviously, I would expect any self-identifying Dream Theater fan has listened to Between the Bird and Me. And maybe they're a bit too heavy for for some. To me, music, my musical journey, it always seems to be about sort of a one-upmanship of of heaviness. Like if I track my journey listening to what I was listening to in 2003, I then wanted to find something heavier. And then 2005, listening to a a little bit of hardcore punk, and then... And then I go into 2006 and I'm listening to a bit more metalcore. And then 2007, it starts getting into really heavy metal and heavier mm-hmm. stuff. And my tastes just got heavier and heavier and heavier. By the time I was listening to Between the Bird and Me, 
going back to dream theater was like listening to a much lighter style of music and i just want to address I, i'm probably gonna i don't want anyone leaping to their keyboards right away when i say heavy i understand that heavy is an incredibly subjective term we we briefly touched on it in the slipknot chat with alan alan hit the nail on the head yeah it's anything can be heavy it's it's down to the context of the song it's not necessarily are you playing in in drop a <laughs> like is have you have you got a bass string on your or your guitar yeah. you've pitch shifted down another octave and you're just like vomiting over a microphone while someone blast beats yeah so the train of thought i think is is a good heavy and an immediate leap that i took on it was probably more to do with james's vocals is he sounds incredibly similar to uh jerry cantrell and lane staley from alice in chains i had to laugh a little bit when you once again brought up an Alice in Chains reference, and I was like, "Is everything just Alice in Chains to you, man? Like, what's going on here?" Mate, I, Alice in Chains all the way down. It's, it's Alice in Chains all the way down. I, I almost—I don't blame you. I mean, Alice in Chains are great. They're—they're they're, they're Alice in Chains for a reason. But not everything sounds like Alice in Chains. I think Alice in Chains were one of those bands to me that really nailed that really sludgy, groovy, heavy music in the early '90s. They really nailed getting that chug that in really like tight chun sound but with some very well harmonized and beautiful dark lyrics alongside that and when you've got that the the first thing that i kind of thought of i think i sent you did i send you damn that river yeah i think because it's got that same sort of like slow groovy riff which i think the first track of uh train of thought as I am. As I am sort of has, because that just really nails in there. And then when you go into this Dying Soul, the next track, there's another little sort of voicing of some other Alice in Chains moments. And I was like, that's cool. Um, I like what they did. They totally owned it, though. They made it their own. I want to make it clear we're not in yeah. another... They weren't copying them by any sense. They just happened happened to come across a similar voice, I think. I'll, I'll support you in, in a certain respect and what you, the song you sent sort of did have some as I am vibes but you know these like you say it's there's they're glancing similarities in, in the sense that you know they're, they're just good chunky driving riffs and I think that's one thing that, that brought me straight back into this is just John Petrucci and John Mayung like you know guitarist bass player and fucking hell they they punch a riff through and it absolutely lands. And I was even sort of laughing at it because I think given the, the time that this album's had to mature in my brain and stuff like that, like it almost even felt a little dad rockish at times. Like totally. there was it was it was proper, just like this is such a good, like fist pumpy ooh kind I'm gonna, of riff. You know what? Since you've mentioned that, I'm gonna send a link to this album to my dad. And I'm gonna yeah. say, give this a listen. Give us your thoughts, because I think it is something that he would enjoy as an old school Deep Purple Pink Floyd fan. I think he'd really get into sort of this modern sound. He loves listening to, he loved Nirvana. He hated the the way that what he calls poodle rock, hair metal, was going yeah. in, the, oh, in the late 80s, early 90s. 
and Phil Lavender is my boy for life. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> and when and he's, he, he even he comments like when Nirvana smells like Team Spirit, Teen Spirit came along, that was a breath of fresh air for the music industry. Wow. Um. So he was he was well aware of of that song, but I don't think he's ever listened to Dream Theater. He will have known who Petrucci is, however, mm-hmm. because he was interested in uh, the the little con- the little <laughs> little tour that he did with mm-hmm. Satriani and Steve Vai. Oh, the G three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the thing, and, and and this is what sort of caught me in two thousand six as well. These guys are musicians, you know. There's, I think, I think I talked about it during the Roadrunner United episode, where you watch the documentary and they're just guys in a room. Here's a riff. Yeah, you play that. Yep, we can put this together. No, that sounds pretty good. Oh, here's this section. You know, and I empathised with that. I related to that situation because I've been a guy in a room with other people and we've tried to make music together. So. This could be a massive discredit to absolutely everyone else we've ever spoken about, but Dream Theater were musicians. Do you know what I mean? They weren't just guys turning up in a practice room and, and jamming things out. I think they're all... They were all students. They were all university students. Very smart guys at, like, is it Boston? They're all from Berkeley College. They're they're all, Well, most of them, nearly all of them. Are from Berkeley. I think Petrucci, John Mayong, and Portnoy were all at Berkeley together. Because James Labrie is not the original vocalist, and Jordan Rudis is not the original keyboard player. But you know the things I was hearing again. It comes back to time and time again. I just hadn't heard it before. Mm-hmm. You know these seven to fourteen minute absolute ragers where you're just on a journey through this like it embodied the concept of prog like i hadn't listened to a lot of prog myself either before dream theater yes i'd had bits of it from protest the hero at some point i found between the buried and me i remember like interchanging between alaska and train of thought quite easily so i do understand where you're coming from there but that was the thing that got me for 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 for, for Dream Theater and, and, and sort of hooked me in. I enjoyed the music, but I was just completely blown away by the structure and and everything about it. And the guys I was with knew so much more as well. You know, the fandom behind Dream Theater is is, is incredible, and you know they would reference sounds that Rudis was using over his keyboards. Oh, he's not used that since that album. He's not used that since that song. You know you get real technical like mm-hmm. John Petrucci is one of the best guitarists in the world you know, been, the does he, did he produce this album as well him and Portnoy produced the album it came out on 11th of November 2003 on Electra, which is a sub-label for Warner Brothers yeah and did I, I've, if I've read correctly he is either producing Petrucci has either produced or co-produced Basically every album from Metropolis Part Two. Onwards. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So he's he's clearly got his his fingers in the um, in the old Dream Theater pie there. I may have I may have absolutely geeked out a little bit there, but what I'm basically trying to say is every individual in this band is top of their game, like an incredible guitarist, an incredible pianist, keyboard player, an incredible bass player, an incredible vocalist, an incredible drummer. I know we're definitely going to talk about the drummer a little bit, but. 
and that's that that's just what blew me away about about this band was just they were just so good everything everyone has their parts everyone has their part to play you know guitar solos keyboard solos drum solos bloody bass solos coming out the wazoo on this stuff and that's that's sort of what made me initially sort of fall a little bit in love with, with dream theater yeah this um, as much as i really enjoyed the album there was moments where i did want to skip track mm-hmm. and i was trying to put my finger on why i wanted to skip the track sorry the song that you want to skip as well is is interesting it's not the one i kind of thought you were going to skip i just felt that endless sacrifice is an incredibly labored song the this is where I think the lines start to blur because we've already sort of stated this was Dream Theater's attempt at a heavy album. So it's a bit out of context when you go to the stuff from the 90s. And look like we were saying before, like you might active, you actively avoided this band because there is a bit of a running joke, certainly between my friends and I at the time, that, you know, there's there's an element of camp to their music. They sort of started. I mean, these these guys have been going since 1984. They outdate Metallica. Right? I'm glad this you're band saying has camp because I think you're going to go in the direction I was thinking with this song, especially the ending of this song. Yeah. Carry on. So these guys have been around for a while. They've gone through phases. As much as Pantera started off as a, a poodle band, you know, these guys sort of started off as a bit of a poodle band under the name Majesty. They became Dream Theater. They became prog rock, prog metal, and they've, they've they've progressed on since there. Maybe I should stress: I've only really listened to basically from 1999's Metropolis to 2010's Silver Linings. I've not round about 2010. We'll get there. I sort of fell off the band. I tried to listen to the self-titled that came out. I think 2012. That was a bit of an improvement, but I think by that point I'd moved on from Dream Theater. So. Yeah, this this is what I'm trying to say. This but this album maybe stands out a little bit on its own in that it is your heavier sort of new metal-y kind of or just generally heavier album where ballads are not above Dream Theater. Quite often there are ballads, there are slower piano songs, there's you know just much more musical interludes like you see on, on track 5 Vacant. There's just... There's there's more moments of of brevity and there's more moments of of calm than mm. what this album might suggest. Yeah, and and I think my my concern with with endless sacrifice is it goes a little bit Broadway. If I if I was a um, <laughs> it goes a little bit a bit show great showman style stuff, which uh-huh. isn't to my personal tastes. If I'm not, I'm not a meatloaf fan. You're not. I'm not. God, I'm not a fan of the the music that he made. What was it with? I want to say was it Hammerstein? No, it, it, it was a a theater enthusiast or, or a theater writer, but I can't. Remember. Steinman, that's the word I'm looking for. There's the ending of Endless Sacrifice has got like a a Steinman esque build up and things, and I can like I can totally get it. But I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear heavy riffs. And I felt the riff of Endless Sacrifices repetitive to the point of boring and really unimaginative. And it sounds to me like a song that could have been written in a bedroom by a 16-year-old. 
and a, you know, a, a talented sixteen-year-old. Talented sixteen-year-old. But, 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 but my chair. But still, the sound of someone who isn't really ex- trying to experiment. And when I read about the album being made in three weeks or written in three weeks, this is an example of yeah, that's a song that was written very quickly and pushed out the door. And I don't think it was given time to evolve into probably what could have been a much more cohesive song. It just it just jumps between that that sort of that riff too much, too much of it. And I would have absolutely wanted to hear something just much more, much more interesting. I just found that song really boring. Oh man, I'm I'm starting to wonder if you missed the point. Oh no. The rest of the album, though, it never happened again in the rest of the album. Even there's longer songs out there. The instrumental track, Stream of Consciousness, I could just leave that on. It's a beautiful song. Um, In the Name of God, way better. And this is where I know that they've got the talent to make it a better song. Just by listening to a song literally four tracks later. There's a song that's four minutes, almost, you know, three and a half minutes longer. Yet keeps me engaged mm. as a listener. Fair. I mean, I, in first listening back to the album, because it, it has been a while since I've really gone through this one, Train of Thought, out of the albums I have heard, out of the Dream Theory albums I have heard, Train of Thought is not necessarily my, one of my top. You know, like I say, it's it's stuff like Metropolis Part 2 and Octavarium, etc. that I, I really got into a bit more of the operatic versions. I mean, I think Octavarium, yeah, Track 8 on Octavarium, is I'm glad you're sitting down for this. Twenty four minutes long. You know, <laughs> there's a song on uh, black clouds and silver linings. Yep, there's a song on black clouds and silver linings. It's it's it's, it's a little bit less. It's nineteen minutes seventeen seconds long, but I love it. the The progression of the song, the journey, the the story that this song re- retells, recants the Count of Tuscany is just. It's that is that is potentially the level of camp that still remains within their music up until that point in two thousand nine mm-hmm. that you might not like. But back to endless sacrifice, it in first listening back to it, that was the sort of song I was just like, oh, this this is a a bit boring. It certainly does sort of meander a little bit, but I think that's what I was trying to say about these guys being musicians and everything being intentional. The idea of Dream Theater rushing out a song just doesn't sit with me. I don't think these guys rush anything because they're so capable and so talented individuals that anything and everything they do is intentional. I may be entirely wrong. These guys may feel the pressure as well. They may add filler as much as anyone else. But they've just got... They've just to me they've, they've just got the ability, the talent, and the intention to not need to pad out a song or pad out an album. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's your take on it. I, it was the only song, and I, and I just want to just make it clear: it was the only song that I ever felt like skipping. And that's that's still great. I'm I'm still I, we can't underestimate the fact that I genuinely thought you were going to hate this. I thought you were going to hate the song lengths. I thought you were going to hate... You cannot listen to Dream Theater and say there is not a level of pretentiousness. I mean, since reading about 
the exploits of Mr. Portnoy. Two, two stories in particular that I think we have retold on the, the pod before, but yeah. I'm pretty sure we have. Uh, the, the one that always comes up to mind is is Mike's run-in with the NHS. <laughs> run-in, yeah. In, <laughs> in 2015. Put it, but it's so spot on. Uh, I just... the. There isn't any single way I can read that story and not think that he went in there being like, don't you know who I am? Yeah, it comes off like a prick, 100%. But in my mind, he's coming off as a privileged American who's had access to private healthcare's majority of his adult life. The man walks into a A&E department because he can't lift his arms all the way. This sounds like a terrible joke. Doesn't it? Yeah. And because he didn't get and because he didn't get seen quick enough, he had to leave. And he'd made yeah, it but... abundantly clear to the triage nurses and doctors that he had a show, and there was an audience waiting for him. No, I I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm not meaning to defend the man in any way, shape, or form. I suppose I'm just thinking devil's advocate. What, you know what? Consider both sides. You're a, a very accomplished musician. He probably has quite a high level of private healthcare in America, which is fucked. And the guy probably walks in, shows his insurance card and gets seen straight away. He's probably used to that level of treatment. Maybe. And that's just not how we operate in the UK. So it doesn't excuse his behaviour in any way, shape or form. But that scenario in my head makes sense, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The other one that I wish I could find more information on. So I can only go from, from memory of a story that I was either once read or once told but was his his uh his leaving of dream theater and brief joining of avenge sevenfold which we sort of briefly touched on during our avenge sevenfold episode that's right uh he 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 stepped in he he stepped in to replace the rev after his untimely passing and he finished the album that they were in the middle of writing this was all the while he was still a member of Dream Theater. And as I understood it, he wanted more time off from Dream Theater because they'd just come off a tour and he'd just done the work with Avenged Sevenfold. All the other guys wanted to get back on tour, but I think he didn't want to. And this may be hearsay, but he effectively quit Dream Theater because he thought he had a bigger gig with Avenged Sevenfold and they didn't choose him. They went down the route of, of another drummer at the time. And the way I read the, the, that interview with him after the fact, it's, it's very much like he's, it, there's no like, Oh, I went, I don't know. There's, there's, there's no like self reflection in, in, in those interviews. There's no like, no, nah, I, I was, I was, too i was you know i was with young kids i was too old i was i was out of touch it was oh they went with the unknown guy <laughs> what do they know it's not the best but i wish i wish i could absolutely find something categorically that that that's what happened it's all very it's all much hearsay and just yeah what it's... is believed to have happened behind closed doors my understanding is is similar there's a few articles online that sort of give you different variations of, of what happened. My understanding is, yes, Jimmy Sullivan, the Rev, 
passed away mid-album. He was a massive fan of Portnoy. Portnoy was a massive influence on him. The band approached Portnoy, you know, would you help us finish the album? He said yes. You know, he ended up touring with the band. It was never a done thing. He was never joining them. He it, he was a temporary fill. Only he did that in the time that Dream Theater had off. So, similar to what you said, he's finished his year with Avenged Sevenfold. It's not my understanding that he thought he was in with Avenged Sevenfold and so quit Dream Theater. It's that he went back to Dream Theater and said, I've just not had a year off. I've just toured with these guys and done an album, etc. I need time to chill. Mm-hmm. You know, will you guys give me that? And Dream Theater said no. It was Dream Theater. They were like, no, we, we've had our year off. We, we've got a schedule. It's time for us to go back in the studio. You're either in or you're out. And for his own health, he decided to, he was like, right, okay, I'm out. I can't do another album right now. So he left Dream Theater and was subsequently replaced by Mike Mangini. Who has been their drummer ever since. Who's been their drummer since 2010. And he's from Berkeley as well, isn't he? He Was he not part of that same, must have been part of the same circle? He was a drum teacher at the time, I'm sure. And has played for artists such as Annihilator, Extreme and Steve Vai. I think he held, yeah, between 2002 and 2005, he set five world records for the fastest drumming. Yeah, I've read that. That's great. Like the guy's, the guy makes a metronome shit itself. It's He's he's, he's obviously within his own right a clearly um, incredibly talented and established musician. So a very fitting replacement for Portnoy. But I suppose while we're here, let's talk about it then. I mentioned earlier that I sort of fell off Dream Theater circa 2010. This is why. I've talked before openly about how, for me, a band is its members. It's not, ju- it's not just the music it puts out. It's the members and it's the, those that collection of individuals creating that music for, for the purpose of creating music, you know. Last week we talked about Slipknot, and I'm pretty sure Slipknot will also make music for money. But when Portnoy was fired, I was a bit like, oh shit. You know, that's... They didn't give their bandmate a chance. They didn't give their bandmate a break. You know, he was asking for a bit of extra time, and they didn't give it to him. The machine just carried on. The Mm. Dream Theater just continued rolling. So that... I suppose thinking back about it now was maybe. You wanted to take a five year break. Was it five years? Five years. I didn't realize it was five years. So I've got a source on that one. That was in an interview in December 2012. So he wanted to take five years off. And I I get, you know, if if you want to take a few months, you've had a year with another band on tour, being around the world with them, you want to take some time. Great. But five years, is that reasonable? Is that not holding the band hostage? Yeah, no, I, that's, I maybe wasn't particularly aware that it was five years. That does, that's unfair for him to ask that of the rest of the band. He, You, you can't turn around to, to three other individuals and say, so let's just take five years off. Like, what are you supposed to do for five years? Like, that's ridiculous. That seems unreasonable, yeah. He dropped his number, apparently, but that was only because the band kept rejecting. He's basically on like five Okay, four and a half. Yeah. Okay, four, my final offer. And they got him down to one. They got him down to one year. But that's just... Uh, okay, 
Mike clearly had a big influence on the songwriting. His name is all over the credits, whether it's lyrics, music. He was writing. He's done more writing for Dream Theater than James Lebray. Just to be specific, you you are referring to Mike Portnoy, not Mike Menjian. Mike Portnoy. Sorry, I just realised that Mike got replaced with Mike yep. in that. Yep sentence I bet, I bet the band didn't even notice I bet it was just some dude that came up and just started playing ridiculous drums and they just called him Mike no, I can just like just see this like hastily scribbled out P with an M like like, <laughs> like a child has like if all the all the kind of stuff that's going to have like initials on it like the studio the flight boxes like it's just like oh yeah take take off the take off the P put on the M the, the, I mean like, if, you, the, if you think about it Mike Portnoy is, is just rearranged two letters and he's Mike Porntoy for the well audience, timed. Lav was taking a drink. <laughs> well timed, well timed. Pontoy, that's his name from now on. Mr. Mike Pontoy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he's he's obviously been an incredibly influential member of the band. And when a songwriter leaves a band, you're going to notice. Okay, he's the drummer. Yes, his sound could easily be replaced quite clearly by another drummer. But his songwriting talent may well have he's taken that with him he's not going to write songs for free or just to be like oh I've written you a song guys hey you go play with the other boy so I can understand why you'd leave a band when a key member has left yeah Portnoy's Portnoy's last album was was Black Clouds and Silver Linings Mangini's first album was a dramatic turn of events I remember not enjoying that okay I do remember I do remember the following album, 2013's Dream Theater, coming out and finding that a bit more of a return to form okay. for me personally, for, for my personal taste. But it wasn't enough to make me stay with the band. I mm-hmm. sort of I sort of stopped after that because I felt a little bit tainted after the whole Portnoy thing. Like, you know, I felt like he was just sort of brushed aside. Right, Had I known he wanted a five-year break, I would have maybe rethought that. But I still love the albums I've heard up to this point. You know, everything from 1989's Metropolis Part 2 to to Black Clouds, you know. Black Clouds is a bit... I'm not going to say it's the strongest album, but kind of Tuscany, 19 minutes of just wonderfulness. Uh, so there's 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 a lot there for me to like. Yeah, they're a, they're a clearly exceptional band. Clearly, these are these are trendsetters. They are making they are making music that you know they 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 excelled at. I'm not saying it's an exceptional album. He said extraordinary. He said Dream Theater were an extraordinary band. I genuinely coughed. Oh my lord! They are. They are. They're well known. They're a, they're an international powerhouse of a band. We're we're not even going into to the other bands and stuff that they did and there's a whole bootleg culture for for dream theater that exists and there's john petrucci jordan rudis and mike portnoy went off and did another band called liquid tension experiment pretty sure that's just that's portnoy's that was like portnoy's sort of baby wasn't it yeah it's just uh it's just an instrumental no vocals so that just goes for days like that stuff's ridiculous so and all and all the other projects that these guys did aside from dream theater you know and it's a sort of is it symphony symphony x don't know this is the other thing i because i've never really been into the band 
I've never looked up what what they've done or who they've who they've played with, what their sort of place is, uh, to to sort of understand the the bigger lore of things. I would be tempted to listen to other albums if the if the the timing was right and the, you know and I was I was in the mood for it. I have to be in the mood for progressive music, and I think after spending an entire week listening to Slipknot, I really did want something a little bit more mm-hmm. advanced, shall we see? Yeah. Uh, and Dream Theater was a good good wee bridge, and honestly, the minute it finished, I just wanted to listen to more Between the Bird and Me, and I put on. Colors 2 and discovered that Portnoy even did drums on Fix the Error. One of yeah. my favorite songs from Colors 2, which is one of my favorite prog metal albums of the last five or six years. And Portnoy's on it. I think these, yeah, the, these guys influence and have their, their fingers in, in many pies. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone features on, on multiple albums. Obviously Mike's been out of a job for a few years, so he, he's been a lot more available for, for for other stuff but th- yes this whole sort of time introduced me to the sort of the prog prog side of metal and also like the the guitar elite like through Petrucci like the, the guitar elite like we're not talking your Jim Roots and your Tom DeLong <laughs> Rage Against Machine guitarist Tom Morello we're not talking your Tom Morellos, etc. Like we're talking Petrucci and Ingve Malmsteen and Steve Vai and the guy from Racer X. Racer X also being like an an incredibly well thought of prog band and like prog metal band and stuff like that. And you know these guys are just like hammering out like shredding solos at whatever BPM and whatever many note. Like I'm too dumb to really comprehend it all. Like I was not a guitarist that didn't particularly appreciate like the the depth of it i i was a guitarist and and i don't even know half the things i'm not a musician i'm a guitarist it's probably the best way i could describe it i can i can play a few chords can strum along i played in a hardcore band because i couldn't really play very well yeah and i played in a post like hardcore doom band because it was just big heavy slow riffs no exactly and that's what comes back to the appeal of of dream theater for me is that these guys were musicians you know it, the romance of like building a building a, a section or or a song out of actually knowing what it is you're writing and the progression and the key and and the tempo and the time signatures and these everything these guys did they did it because that was the purpose of the song not because oh i mean yeah because it sounded good but because they knew the song they wanted to build and construct and write and create and they had the skills to do it as opposed to can that can i do this who does that sound i'll just think uh etc i don't know yeah they they're clearly everything is written with purpose they 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 all studied music at berkeley or at least three of them did so that yeah. meant they were doing, you know, making decisions, not just from a, you know, is it going to get the crowd crowd up and bouncing, but actually to further their instruments and further their understanding of, of where yeah. metal music can go. And that's where this is where I think the word extraordinary comes in, because I think any progressive metal band is extraordinary, especially if they can get it sounding as good as 
Dream Theater have on this album, as good as Protest the Hero have on their albums, and as good as Between the Bird and Me do on their albums. It's it's something that is truly amazing when you can get a yeah. 19 minute song, a 17 minute song that engages you and, and makes you feel like you want to hear more because I want to know where it goes next. Yeah, that, that, that's a great way to put it. Amazing. Like that is that is sort of what I sort of found Dream Theater to be was amazing. And yeah, it's forever influenced my sort of appreciation and understanding of music. Paul Gilbert is the guitarist I was referring to from from Racer X. He is Guitar One Magazine's top 10 guitarist shredders of all time. And he was also ranked Guitar World's 50 guitar, fastest guitarist of all time. You know, a very influential prog and, and sort of technical guitarist. But yeah, Dream Theater to me are amazing. And if, if you are going to go back and listen to some stuff, yeah, Six Degrees and Octavarium might appeal to you more. If you've got the time, if you've got a long drive ahead of you, maybe it's you know you've you've got time to yourself. You're you're going somewhere. Maybe you're driving down to see your dad or whatever. You've got an hour and a half in the car. Stick on Metropolis Part Two and see where you end up because it's a journey, man. the 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 concept behind it is 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 insane, and I love all of it. That could be a good show. I've got a big drive coming up in a couple of weeks, so that could absolutely happen do it I, I dare a double dare you to do it and and, and commit to that and, and see where you end up after an hour and 17 minutes uh, in fairness the, the, the very last song does have a bit of a a a, a, a cop out of of length you know it's sort of does it fade out it's, it's not all it's one step above a fade out it's not as bad as a fade out but it's close enough okay i'll take your word for it but um yeah, it's uh, it's to me, Metropolis Part Two is a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Woof. And, and woof, 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 woof. we've got fucking, you know, the Mona Lisa st- statue of David, all the you know all the works of like Leonardo da Vinci and uh, you know, all these all these amazing artists making masterpieces. And then there's Dream Theater's Metropolis Part Two. No. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the the what's the, I've asked about this before the satirical thing on Instagram was it rough times or hard times the hard times and they were like one of their memes recently is a thirty year old punk thinks all music of all time peaked between two thousand three and two thousand six quite right you know quite you know, right that's it's that's that sort of thing I'm seeing there. Look, I'm not saying it's the only masterpiece ever created. There's there's a shit ton of masterpieces out there, but I just could not emphasize enough how how much Metropolis Part Two had an effect on me. And then it all sprung from a song, Metropolis Part One. They created it because the fandom wanted it. Just because you've mentioned the hard times, I've just had to quick look have a quick look at their website just to see what what headlines are currently running. Guy and Mastodon shirt can't even name three Pleistocene migration routes. Houghton weaponized 1990s nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys, the writers, it's always, they're clearly people of the same sort of circle. So if you've never listened or never read The Hard Times, go and take a look. It's 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 good entertainment. If you ever stuck for something to look at on the internet, worth it. 
I'll tell I'll tell you another reason why you've probably actively avoided Dream Theater, and I'm just gonna shot in the dark here. The album artwork is questionable. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't draw me in. I, I don't. You, I don't pick it up in a in a music shop and go. Yes, this is this is the yeah. music I want to listen to. No, I, it looks like it look the, the early albums look like early early Photoshop. Now, I mean, their first album, at least on Spotify anyway, when Dream and Day Unite from nineteen eighty nine, obviously predates Photoshop, but you know it's. When Dream and Day Unite could easily be the front cover of an erotic novel, like you know, take 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 away the Dream Theater logo and just I don't know, add in like a little heart or something, whatever. No, and I I fully understand that as as someone who's had a lot of experience in graphic design, I've always found the artwork questionable. To is the best way I can put it, but Metropolis. Part two, the album stems from a song on images and words from 1982, Metropolis Part One, The Miracle and The Sleeper. So that song is the prelude to the entire album and it was the fan base that drove that. They wanted they wanted the band to expand on Metropolis Part One. So that's why they created Metropolis Part Two. Nice. Okay. Images and Words also has some great songs, Pull Me Under, uh, Another Day. That's that's one of the older albums I managed to get into, but I totally skipped. I skipped Awake, A Change of Seasons, and Falling Into Infinity. Mostly because I think at the time I could have said, you know, Jordan Rouge wasn't part of the band and it was like I was sort of interested in the band in that form. Mm. But anyway, that's that was sort of my journey with Dream Theater. That's nice to hear it. That's nice to hear that. Yeah, there's more to hear, and and I'll and I will put my hands up. I I wish I'd been able to to be a bit more open to them this week. And and I and I stand by that. I I really wish I'd put some time into listening to them when it would have really counted about twenty years ago. I don't think it's too late. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to become a massive dreamhead or a, a theatre boy, you know, overnight. But I think I think there's you know the music isn't going anywhere, man. There's there's absolutely time for you to appreciate this. You were sort of saying before as well, like I think you said Octavarium sound the track you heard on Octavarium sounded better. Just a quick comment on the production on Train of Thought. I think it's great. I I, I think the production is, is is awesome. And for an album that was done in two thousand three, you know, not necessarily by a producer. Now that's not to the discredit of Petrucci and Porntai who who did the production on the album. Clearly, skilled producers in their own right but it's so rare to get the band producing a great album as well do, do you know what? like well, the mixing weird. the mixing is, is it's really well mixed and really well balanced all the guitars and vocals and drums sit really well there's no there's not a point when i'm like ah, i would have liked the this to have been a bit louder or that's too far forward or back in the mix yeah and you know, the, the it was mixed by a gentleman named Kevin Shirley, who's worked with bands like Rush, and that's the only one I can recognise the name of. Yeah, Rush, Dream Theatre, Liquid Tension Experiment. He did their self-titled into the mixing for that. He's done a few mixing for Black Crows and Silverchair, Neon Ballroom. That is a big album. Yeah, so he's clearly 
you know, I, th- I think it's important that there's a, a big team behind them. And yeah, by this point, fair. they're not a small fair band. Fair. This is not a debut album. Hell no. So they've they've got the experience to make it sound good. And if they wanted it to be more in keeping with the style of the time, then they absolutely had the ability and capability to to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Engineered by Doug Oberkircher. Kircher. Just going to keep butchering names. Oberkircher. That's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. And mastered by Howie Weinberg. Now, I just saw the name Weinberg and I thought, oh, no way. Could, could, could there be a relation to Jay Weinberg and Max Weinberg? Not according to wikipedia no but he has mastered many a many a famous album from melancholy and the infinite sadness through to beastie boys intergalactic his previous episodes deftones 21 pilots daft punk live albums yeah he's clearly deftones he's oh sorry i'm looking at his grammy awards he won grammys for deftones oms for Daft Punk, Alive in 2007, Beastie Boys and Galactic, U2, Smashing Pumpkins. These are the people Jethro Tull. He has over 2,000 mastering credits to his name. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, as much as I'm crediting Petrucci and Porntoy for for their ability to to produce this album, obviously an incredible staff behind it to make it sound as, as good as it does. So... I think that's another thing I could maybe sort of gush over Dream Theater about. It's just like the fuck it, the quality, man. The quality. You know, I'm making Italian hands here. Is that is that is that spelt Q W quality? Qual qual quality. Just very inspirational sort of just a just a very inspirational band because these guys just seem to be absolutely A game. And I appreciated that. Never really influenced my playing. I, I tried to learn some dream. I, as far as I got, I got like some dream theater riffs. You know what I mean? The uh, well, we didn't we didn't really talk about it, but Train of Thought features track two on Train of Thought. This dying soul is part of a, a suite of songs that Portnoy wanted to write to address his recovery from alcoholism. So it's called the Twelve Step Suite. Fair enough. Or, or the 12 Step Saga and it basically runs from the previous album Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence with the, starts with the song Glass Prison and ends with 2009's Black Clouds and Silver Linings The Shattered Fortress it originally was intended to be like 12 songs but I think Portnoy's came out and said himself once he you know once you're 3-4 songs in it became a chore it became homework it became he had to write this song for this album and they all have at least as as much as i'm aware of they all have the same sort of recurring theme like melody the do 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 that runs through all the 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 12 step suite songs so just another string to dream theater's bow that you know we've talked about concept albums before these guys take concepts and run them across Multiple entire albums, albums yeah. 
with multiple songs, you know, multiple albums, like the the, the idea being that this was supposed to have been played in its entirety yeah. at a certain point once it was finished. Um, Portnoy will went on to do that later on with with a different band. Love a good concept album. I love it when, especially if you can tie it in. Yeah. So there's a band that I I do enjoy uh, called Defeater. They're a hardcore, like melodic post post hardcore band. So different sort of style to Dream Theater, but every one of their albums is thematically linked. Mm. So if you listen to their first album, it's the only album in the third person. And that just tells the story. Yeah. And then every album afterwards focuses on one character within that story and what they what their experiences were in the in the run up to, during and after the setting of the first album. So it's always great when, when you can hear a band take a take an idea, take a concept and fully invest in it i love that yeah so i think i think i've gushed enough about train of thought i I have definitely laid it on a bit thick for dream theater i am so chuffed that you sort of found something about this album that you liked and yeah man definitely definitely try and get back into something else i think you'll enjoy it and let us know what you think of that yeah, tell us what you think. Do you are you are you a massive Dream Theater fan? Have we told you something you didn't know, or is there something that you think we've completely missed out? Give us a shout at AOGB Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Send us an email, aogb.podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. It'd be great to hear from you. Did we butcher this for you? Are you have you been screaming at your listening device for the past however long, thinking you guys don't know shit? Honestly, I wouldn't blame you. But yeah, no, we'd love to hear from you. Cool. Is it time for that one segment? It's time for that one segment. What are we listening to? What are you listening to? So, what have you been listening to, Lav? This week, I have been listening to a lot of Between the Bird and Me, as alongside Dream Theatre. I also ended up listening to quite a bit of Periphery as oh, well. Yeah. Just to dabble in multiple albums, see how it went with that. Uh, then there's been some new albums. There was a new album by Gent Band Era. They've yeah, I've got a weird relationship with Era. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, absolutely fine. And my new favorite band of the year, Wake. They released another song from their upcoming album, uh, Thoughts from. It's not out yet, so I don't know the name of it thoughts thought from descent but their new out their new song infinite inward alongside swallow the light i am so excited to hear that album comes out on the 22nd of july if you've not listened to wake go listen to wake make sure you can turn up your speakers as loud as you can because it will absolutely tear them to bits i recommend i do recommend the just today actually i saw on the periphery insta that their drummer has put up a playthrough of Blood Eagle. Oh, good lord. Some good stuff there. Cracking, cracking. And then, because I got tickets to go and see them, having a bit of a listen to Ice Nine Kills. Okay, okay. Enjoyable, enjoyable. And it's going to lead me on to what we're going to listen to next week. Right. Oh, oh, 
Oh, I'm, I'm concerned. So this week I've actually managed to get some new music in. Woo! I know. Well I've, 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 I feel like I've just been busy, but I have give a bit of dream theater uh, you know the train of thoughts over an hour long you know that's that's a hell of a commitment but i also listened to the new red-handed denial album i'd rather be asleep so very small sort of gent metalcore band i even think i had there you named that as like one of your favorite albums of the year a few years yeah redeemer redeemer 2019 was was my album of the year I might have been drunk that year. That's not a discredit to the band. It's it's Redeemer's a great album. It really is a great album. I sound like there's a buck coming. But was it my album of the year, 2019? Oh, don't know. But no, definitely check out Red Handed Denial. But I found I'd rather be asleep the new album. Yeah, a little a little bit flatter than maybe Redeemer. By no means was it bad, but I just sort of thought Maybe maybe a bit more chill. Maybe flatter is not not the way to put it. Less sort of from my perspective, those less heavier moments, those less scream, those more clean. I thought Redeemer's got a really good balance of that. Like it has its ballads, but it also has some like really crushing moments as well. And I just wasn't sure that I'd rather be asleep. Followed on from that in the direction I'd maybe want it to go, but that's no means I'm going to chuck the band. I'm definitely going to give it another another listen. But on top of on top of that, I also checked out Run the Jewels. Oh, very good. We're going to see them soon. Exactly. Well, Alan sort of recommended them, and we are going to go see them, support Rage Against Machines. So I thought, shit, I better, I better check out what these guys are all about. Um, they're okay. Modern hip-hop? Is it modern? I feel like it reminds me of someone else, but I just don't know what. It reminds me of. I think the first song. I didn't go into anything particularly. I just sort of started on Spotify and press play. The first song I sort of listened to. I was like, oh, there's quite a cool sort of like electro beat underneath this. I can maybe see where this is going. But then some of it was a little bit more like traditional hip hop. So I just didn't really know where I stood with that. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, and I did give it a good, good half hour, forty minutes of play. But I don't. I just don't know where I stand with it. I'm going to give them a listen tomorrow. That's going to be my my walking to walking to the office music tomorrow, I think. Run the jewels. Yeah, I just didn't... It didn't make me want more. You know, kind of mm. like you were saying with Dream Theater, it made you want to listen to something else. It didn't make me either want either more hip-hop or more Run the Jewels. I was just kind of like... Sounds great. You know, the the two voices are, are very distinctive and, and, and sound great. But I wasn't like... This is some new shit. Do you know what I mean? Mm, fair enough. And then fair I started enough. watching Arcane, which you recommended. Good. Yes, I have been watching a lot of Attack on Titan. Oh, yes. Loving yes. it. Loving it. I'm in. I'm in there. Like, I. It's frustrating. The the setup and the the same kind of goes with if I used to, I watched Evangelion many years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm getting a lot of vibes from that, where an episode ends right as it's about to get good and then the next episode starts basically a recap of the previous episode so you're like oh come on don't need this just just let me just get on with it man anime is the worst baited shit in the world like if you've ever watched dragon ball z like namek was supposed to blow up in three minutes and it took about 10 20 minute episodes 
you know. So it was it's it's the most drawn out baited shit ever. But I'm so glad to you've started it. I just it's such a fucking bizarre concept for anyone who's ever seen it. I'm pretty sure we got some feedback that people didn't like our anime tangent on the last time we maybe talked about anime, but. The... Well, that's why we've kept it to the end. What what have we been up to this week? Well, yeah. we've been listening to music and watching anime. Yeah, the uh, it's just for anyone who's not seen it that the the eponymous titans are just one of the most bizarre concepts I've ever seen in a you know in an animation or a movie or a TV show or anything. Like it's so fucking weird. And I was really freaked out by it to begin with, but I yeah, because they're all strange. They're all like disproportionate, yeah, varying in sizes, yeah. varying in style and stuff. Yeah, and no, where do they good, come but... from? And no one understands it. And they just unceremoniously eat everything in front of them. Like there's there's no emotion. Like it's just a, an absolute blank slate of death and massacre. And it's just. It, it, it genuinely makes me well first time watching it genuinely made me uncomfortable like I was I was fucking chilled a little bit watching it yeah but fuck it's so good yeah I'm really enjoying it so I'm looking forward to that uh, progressing I'm almost finished the first series and I'll just batter straight into the second straight after yes and hope you're enjoying Arcane as well if it's uh, keeping you gripped it's not well, I, I sort of did myself a disservice. I watched the first episode and then I fell asleep during the second episode. So I went to back to watch the second episode and wasn't exactly like, oh, this is amazing. The animation style is incredible. But yeah, similar to Run the Jewels, I wasn't, I'm not championing the bit to go back. I've, I've gone back and finished Love, Death and Robots on Netflix. That's another one I've, I've been, it's on the, on the to-do list. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, but yeah. Next week, however. What are we... What? What? What's coming? Well, I want to take us back to 2000 and... I actually didn't realise this album was 2006. I thought it was a lot later than this. But when I realised it was 2006, I thought that's going to be the one to cover. And I mentioned Ice Nine Kills. And this was the first band... When I heard Ice, Ice Nine Kills, I was like... They sound just like The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> I want to listen I want us both to go back and listen to the first Devil Wears Prada album Dear Love A Beautiful Discord I've not listened to this I I listened to the album after this I think it's rough I know it's it's rough I I didn't listen to it because I thought uh, the trees are dead and dried out wait for something wild (laughs) That's, that was like four years earlier. No, I mean, I mean, I'm referring to whatever that the 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 the, the bloody the Devil Wears Prada album is. You know, the one with the tree. Oh, the, the yes, the roots above, and yes, yeah. I know why you're calling it that. Right, thank you. That was, and I, I thought that was rough because I got into them over Dead Throne. Wow, that's a good one. I know. So that, that's that's <laughs> with what I mean. roots above and branches below is a good one. My favorite of. Devil Wears Prada, and these are this is a band that I do listen to to this day by them. choice. I love. Them. I listened to the Zombie EP, and Zombie Two came out last year. One of my favorite records from last year. 
And I remember listening to With Roots Above and Branches Below and really loving it. But I, d- I have been listening to Devil Wears Prada from, uh, from an early stage since 2006, listening to that, listening to Plagues. They've always been there. I dropped off after Dead Throne, got back into them a bit later on when I, I got back onto the zombie EP. So I'm 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 apprehensive to say the least. Okay. Okay. I know it's a band that I enjoy now and I can appreciate now, and it's a band that I loved back in 2006. How am I going to find it in 2022? You're going to have to tell me. Because the band don't even play that music anymore. They don't. They don't even like you know that early stuff. So they don't even want to 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 be known for that music anymore. So. That's that's going to be interesting. It's and I'm immediately just one of my favorite Devil Wears Prada songs is a cover, and I don't think we originally knew it was a cover when we first heard it. But you know, last week we were talking about snuff and the meaning of heavy and for things to be a ballad and stuff like that. Listen to the Devil Wears Prada Sour Breath. It's just a cover. It's one song from 2018. It's three minutes ten. Oh. God, the feels, the feels on Sour Breath. Listen to the original as well, because the original is wonderful. But good Lord, that song punches. Yeah. So that's that's next week. Bit of bit of a bit of a shift in uh, in tone. I think back into definitely what was very of its time in two thousand six. I think. Tell you what, it's definitely not Dream Theater. It's definitely not. Definitely not. Just to clarify, the original of Sour Breath was done by a solo artist called uh, Julian Baker. J-U-L-I-E-N Baker. Julian Baker. So both songs are great and Devil Wears Prada just adds their their twist to it and they're incredibly gut-wrenching songs. Sick. Sick. Well, um, Keith, do you want to take us home? I will take us home. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We have been a live or disbleathering, as we've already said. Get involved in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. What's your thoughts of Dream Theater? Are you looking forward to early, early as fuck? The Devil Wears Prada at AOGB Podcast for Instagram or Twitter. Labs active on YouTube. We're putting stuff up there, so so check us out if you would like to hear the podcast again in a video format. And yeah next time on the live or just is that everything that is everything yeah next time on a live or just blethering lav will be taking us through the devil wears prada dear love colon a beautiful discord thanks very much good night oh good night dogs can go braids all over like that's a fact Woofed. The name of some of these songs. Words, Dragons, and Diet Coke. Swords, Dragons, and Diet Coke. There's a D&D reference. <laughs> totally, man. It's the geekiest. I can't wait. I really can't wait to, to get into this. I'm going to hate it. <laughs> Don't make me hate the Devil Wears Prada, man. You won't. You won't. It won't change anything. You know where they went. You know where they became. It'll be all good. <laughs>